Welcome to the Round 6 Podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion featuring a variety of automotive subjects, interviews, special guests, and stories, hosted by the Round 6 Gearheads, Brian Stupski, Brad King, Alex Welsh, and Eric Hibbs. Here on episode 22, the Gearheads welcome our very good friend and the host of Muscle Car of the Week, V8TV's Kevin Oste. Would it be wrong to say, you know, hey, uh, welcome to round six, the over the pants handy of podcasts? Over the pants. Let's do a great start again. <laughs> Uh, okay, let's try it. Um, <laughs> I'm uh, welcome to the Round Six podcast. I, I guess I'm Brian. Uh, I'm still Brad. I think I'm Alex. I was Eric last time I checked. Uh, pretty sure I'm Kevin Oste. And there you have it, the man with the golden voice. Uh, we are we are honored this evening to have one of one of my favorite human beings in the entire world, uh, Mr. Kevin Oste of V8 Speed and Resto Shop. Uh, V8 TV, and my gosh, you are just about everywhere. I, I think you were even on the cover of a few romance novels, if I recall. I was. Yeah, they used to call me uh, Flabio. Oh, <laughs> Flabio. <laughs> That's a, a, a very heartwarming introduction, Brian, and you are also one of my favorite individuals, so thank you so much, and I uh, appreciate you guys for having me here in this uh this rolling circus of an awesome podcast show. I appreciate it. Well, thank you. I, I am touched, and that said, that's all I ever needed to have on tape. Um, I'm out of here. I'm still Brian. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You just want to be touched. I Well, <laughs> yeah. well, well there it is. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, sir. How many minutes go? <laughs> well, that's great. Here we are, two minutes and uh, 50 seconds into full record time, and uh, yeah, away it goes with the touching. So, <laughs> while we're touching, hey, uh, let's touch on... <laughs> that's a great That's a great segue. You could sell nice. that to Conan. Um, that's a pro. <laughs> how, how are you doing, sir? Uh, I'm great. I'm great. I'm very, uh, very fortunate to be very busy and... Uh, you uh, touched on a few of the uh, aspects that, that keep me busy in our life. The uh, Between the VHB and Resto Shop, um, as you know, uh, my lovely wife Kelly runs our restoration business that, that grew out of uh, our V8 TV television show a couple of years ago. We've been building cars now for uh, uh, about 11 years. And today we're fortunate enough to have a, a, just a tremendous crew that, that – is super passionate and really creative, and uh, that has turned into. I think we have 22 cars in the shop right now. Oh wow! Wow. Uh, yeah, 18 people on staff, so it's it's mind bending. And um, Kelly and I step back and say we're we're still not sure how this all happened, <laughs> but um, <clears throat> just you know working with great people and and great customers and building cool cars and and trying to keep everybody happy in that respect. So that's that's one aspect. We're still producing V8 TV, uh, <clears throat> which airs on uh, three different 
over-the-air networks around the country in about 80 different cities. Um, and then uh, our Muscle Car of the Week show, which is a spinoff of that, uh, which also airs on television and digitally. And, uh, and I've been lucky enough to do some, some live appearances with the Muscle Car and Corbett Nationals show in Chicago in November. I'm co-host of that event and uh, do some work with SEMA and it's, it, it almost feels like something different every day, but in, in our happy little world of, of playing with cool cars. So it's been great. That's outstanding. So, oh my God. So yeah, with you, it's tough to figure, okay, where do we begin? Um, I, well, I guess... and, and not to interrupt, but where do we begin? You and I basically uh, did a video at SEMA a few years ago uh, around the, uh, uh, the George Poteet Torino. Yes, we did. And yeah, that was a while ago. And then, I started a podcast called VA Radio, and you were our very first uh, live human guest uh, for a couple episodes. And uh, today, that's another fun thing that we do. Uh, I almost feel like I'm cheating on him, but our co-host, Mike Clark, who does <laughs> VA Radio with me, uh, um, is another great guy. So he, there's another little aspect. So like I said, it goes in every, every different direction these days, but I, I, I'm very fortunate, and I wouldn't have it any other way. That's that's awesome, and I got to tell you that that episode that we filmed at SEMA, which I can't say thank you enough. It, it did so much for me, just as a human being, and on top of it, it, it inspired me to lose fifteen pounds. It was one of those highlights of my wow. life. <laughs> and I think I lost most of it in my left cheek. I'm not going to say facial or you know otherwise, but um, I was going to ask, but I realized I didn't want to know. Well, well, we'll talk about that at when we're, we're all no. bunking at SEMA again. No, let's. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was it. Was such an honor, and we had such a blast on that first episode of your podcast, which has gone absolutely bonkers. And it, it is such a good podcast. And if, if, gosh, if any of our listeners aren't listening to that, please make it a point. It's super entertaining. You guys are absolutely fantastic hosts. Oh, um, that's very, very kind. Oh, and I, I mean that sincerely. I, believe me, otherwise I'd be like, well, hey, wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and well, like, the, the fun thing about that, um, about our podcast, is the way that that started, um, <clears throat> I used to work professionally in radio, and I never was good enough to get anywhere with it. But it's fun to do this kind of stuff. You know, you guys understand. You do a great show and enjoy doing it. That's the main thing, you know. And Brian and I did a couple episodes, and then it was kind of sporadic when, you know, we would get the time to, to do something. And our friend Mike Clark was an organic addition because he is uh, what we call the original V8 TV super fan. And he used to watch our TV show when it was on a cable channel in the Chicago area as a, as a viewer. And eventually we met at an event, and then we started kind of hanging out. And he lives 300 miles from me, so I don't get to see this guy very often. So we would call each other on the phone and BS, and it, we kind of thought, hey, maybe we should record this. <laughs> so that show was really just people eavesdropping on Mike and I BSing, you know. So I'm glad it's listenable because I really don't know what we talk about. <laughs> well, the funny thing is that's how our whole thing started. It started with us kind of talking amongst each other, and one day we figured we are the most entertaining people we know. <laughs> and you're right. <laughs> Go that far. We were we were going to have one of our super fans join us, but he has a piece of paper that says he's not allowed within 500 yards of us. So. He, doesn't, uh, he doesn't reciprocate the fan 
fandom. Yeah. <laughs> right. he, oh, oh, he he certainly reciprocates every time I throw something out. I see him wearing it like a week later, but. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it was that whole meat suit thing that just freaked me out, and I just said no more. It is what it is. I so <laughs> meat suit. <laughs> uh, we're back to that earlier talk. Um, <laughs> hyping you up though, and talking about all the stuff that you do, and I'm trying to figure out how you find time for this. Your your YouTube channel just broke what fifty thousand subscribers last week. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Congratulations! That's wow, fantastic. awesome. Thank you. No, I appreciate that, and that that's that's pretty cool. Um, <clears throat> Not to, uh, I'm in no way trying to, to pat ourselves on the back, but the thing that I really dig about the validation you get from YouTube subscribers is there's no really way to buy them. You know, you can't just, you can buy Facebook likes and, and Instagram fans and all that kind of stuff, but the YouTube stuff is pretty organic. You know, people have to click it and like it and uh, subscribe. So if you can fool enough of them, you know, to, to reach 50,000, that, that's pretty cool. <laughs> and uh, I, I, again, I got to hand it to our production team, which is pretty shoestring. It's just a, uh, one full-time guy that works with me. His name is Ben. And then we hire a couple other uh, uh, freelancers on the West Coast and guys that I've worked with in other capacities. Uh, but they make everything look great, and, and it sounds great. And, and the guys in our shop are the ones that are generating the, the car content, and we try to go to cool events. Um, you know, from day one, my philosophy – you know, back when I was working with guys at Hot Rod Magazine doing their TV show, was if somebody's going to give you some time, either to watch or to listen or whatever, you, you better deliver something of value to them or you'll never get them back. You know, it, it's just yeah. so we're always trying to be conscious of, of not wasting people's time and giving them something that uh, that hopefully is a little bit worthwhile. And they've rewarded us by, by following. So that's cool. Thank you for bringing that up. You're welcome. And uh, it's such a huge thing. I. I remember when I read that you had broke, you know, you guys were just on the verge of breaking 50,000 and I got so excited. I was like dancing around in my office and I, I think I texted the guys and I said, you got to check this out. And <laughs> when you guys broke that, I, I was, I was living vicariously through you guys because we, you know, like I said, to get 50,000 people like you, we have, I think we have seven followers and one of those has 13 personalities. Again, it's that piece of <laughs> Oh, right on. Yeah. So, so it works like out pretty good. We, right we there. Get, Right, we get a different viewpoint in every video we put up, which is great. Um. <laughs> same guy. <laughs> no, same guy will argue with himself for an hour. I really I, I, enjoyed the segment on ducks, and we're like, what? Whatever. <laughs> yeah. no, I've been there, and I am there. And it's funny, because Mike and I joke on our, our VA radio podcast, we speak to the listener, you know, because there's one, I think, maybe three. Um my wife admitted I actually caught her listening, so I know that she's she's on board, and then a couple guys in the shop. So, you know, building an audience like that is not easy, especially if you don't want to just cheat and do something that's like setting stuff on fire or you know, blowing stuff up, which is cool. But and that's a great way to get a whole bunch of people, but it's not a way to get a whole bunch of people that you know want to see something every week from you. So, you know, it's. And it's taken a long time to get there. Uh, I think we launched our YouTube channel in 08. Oh, wow. I mean, I was early, <laughs> early on YouTube. So, and, and part of what allowed that to happen is our VATV television show went 
on the air in 05, but I retained all the rights to the content. So there's a lot of discussion, you know, people say, Hey, how come you're not on a bigger network? You know, why aren't you doing velocity stuff or whatnot? And I've done things with speed channel and outdoor channels and some of the other ones, but to me, if you can do it and retain the ownership, then you can do whatever you want with it, and you don't have to listen to somebody else's suggestion for adding whatever the element is, drama or uh, a product or, you know, something. So uh, I was fortunate enough to work with a channel in the beginning, uh, Men's Outdoors and Recreation is what it was called, and they were primarily like hunting, fishing, outdoor stuff. They didn't have a lot of automotive. And they wanted to get automotive shows. So I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll do the show if you guys let me keep the, uh, keep the rights. And they said, well, sure. Well, today that channel doesn't even exist anymore. But we were able to live on and, and repurpose our stuff. So it was How kind neat. of lucky. But, yeah. Well, I, more than lucky, it sounds like it was probably pretty well planned. <laughs> I don't claim to be that smart. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But that's that's absolutely killer. I mean, you were at least having the forethought to be on YouTube at that point. I think in 2008, I was still clinging to those last days of MySpace. And, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> just one more glittery GIF would just keep this thing alive. And <laughs> yep. yeah, one day you log in and it's gone. You know, nobody, didn't, have, didn't nobody, even have screen grabs. Right, nobody got to hear, you know, Baby Got Back when they hit my page that day. and uh, <laughs> so, All that hard work for nothing. <laughs> so, man, um, wow, okay. So, uh, starting at the beginning, so um, there you are, the day of the big race. Um, you, you make it first yeah. to the egg. Yep. <laughs> That's it. That's it, buddy. Right from from, <laughs> what do you recall? What was your what was your strategy? No, um, so <laughs> how do you go from? Don't open your mouth. That's my strategy. <laughs> 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 Great advice. Great advice. <laughs> okay, let let's say let's skipping ahead from zygote to functional human being. Uh, were you always into cars as a kid? Yeah, I think, you know, it's kind of the same story that you guys probably all have. And that is, uh, you had some kind of experience with a car that stuck, you know, and, and that it's a real hot topic for me today because, um, not to, to kind of glaze over the question you asked me, but we're always trying to figure out the way to get the next generation excited about playing with cars because it happened to us. So how did it happen to us? And last year at the SEMA show at the banquet, um, the CEO of SEMA, Chris Kirsting, had a great, great line that really resonates with me. And he said, the thing that hooks people, and it, it's especially strong if it's a young person, but the first minute you experience that sense of motion, right? So it's either going fast in a car or doing a burnout with your older brother, or rock crawling, or going through some mud in a field or something, you get that that excitement of being out of control, because if you're a little kid, somebody else is driving. And you're not supposed to be doing it, most likely, so there's this kind of rebel feel. And I think that kind of nails us all. And for me, um, when I was young, my dad was a police officer. 
And I will never forget, uh, he would take me for, you know, the, the term is a ride along, but this was really just, you know, giving his kid a ride. It wasn't an official thing. And I was probably five, five years old. And at this point, so that would have been in the late 70s. So the cars, the police car was uh, either a Dodge Monaco, like you'd see in the Blues Brothers. Um, and eventually they moved into a Dodge St. Regis, which was a real pile. But that, that's what the police car was. Uh, and it had the rotating, you know, the rotating Mars lights on top. And a really wild thing happened. I learned that, you know, he was driving me somewhere on the way to a, to a police call. And he's probably in a 25-mile-an-hour residential street. But he's doing 50 or so. So he's not going that fast. But when you're a kid on a residential street in the Chicago suburbs, the street gets narrower the faster you go. And that happens <laughs> on racetracks, too. You know? but, uh, so I'm getting this kind of weird tunnel vision. And those Mars lights, as they're rotating they're kind of in a weird rhythm with the speed of the car. So, for example, if one of those lights was, was spinning clockwise, it would kind of land on a house as we were driving past and kind of be locked on that house because that light was spinning and all this direct. So, I mean, I was like basically stoned. I was like, this is unbelievable. <laughs> uh, you know, completely mesmerized. And, and so here I am, you know, 46 years old, telling you guys about this like it happened this morning. And... <laughs> So it's interesting, you know, being a, a hot rodder or a, you know, a muscle car guy, my first experiences were in, in police cars. In fact, I came home from the hospital in a police car. So, <laughs> but, the, but that stuck. And then my aunt bought me a subscription to Hot Rod Magazine probably that same year for Christmas. So now I've got pictures of cars and the occasional fast ride. And that was it. It was over from then. That's awesome. So you don't make a habit of riding in police cars anymore, do you? Well, not in the back, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different kind of ride along. <laughs> yep, <laughs> un, un, uh, unplanned. <laughs> now he does them on purpose. <laughs> right, right. So you, you touched on something really cool, and it's very, it's very dear to all the guys here. Is the whole point of bringing in the next generation, and that that's yep. such a it's really, I mean, it, it's the most vital thing we can be doing right now. Um, well, it, as far as that goes, do you, do you see a lot of like younger people interacting and following you? I mean, as far as you know, I mean, it's tough to tell on social media. It could be anyone. It could be, you know, uh, you know, LSX chick 2413 could be some big fat dude sitting in a garage somewhere. Right, <laughs> right. Watch, watch out there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that one doesn't have his AC on. It's a totally different. Yeah, right, that right, guy's right, not right, drinking. Right. He doesn't have the neon right. beer sign. Right, and, and it would be a Buick thing. It wouldn't be an LSX problem. <laughs> um, you know, actually, damn it. I think what what's important is um, to try and help recreate that experience I described. Maybe not with a police car, but but for for a kid. And that's not an easy thing to do. And you're probably all familiar with that campaign. Year one was real big behind it, the Take a Kid to a Car Show campaign, right. which I, I think at the first glance is a great idea. But then I really started to think about it. And I'm in an organization. It's actually a, uh, it's a group called the Optimist International. And it's a youth fundraising organization that, that's all over the world. And in my little town, 
uh, this year I'm actually president of the club, but I'm also chairman and, and of the car show. They, they have a car show. And, of course, when I joined, they're like, oh, great, you get the car show, pal, because, you know, nobody really wanted to run it anymore. But when you take a kid to a car show, nine times out of ten, it's summertime, so it's hot, it's sunny. Dad really wants to be there. Mom probably doesn't want to be there so much. And then you're dragging this kid through a parking lot or something, and the kid's looking at shiny stuff that's from a different era that they can't really identify with. And what are the parents saying? Don't touch that. Get back. You know. So, so these are like not positive reinforcements of how to get kids interested in the stuff that they're not supposed to be touching, right? Right. So the, the challenge becomes how do you get that sense of motion opportunity with a child, especially these days, you know, you can't just for safety and liability and just general, you know, common decency, you know, it's not cool to just be driving kids around in the neighborhood. So we're really trying to talk to, <laughs> to parents, you know, that, that have, uh, have interest in this stuff to say, look, you know, the other interesting thing, when you step back and look at it, a lot of today's parents are in their, you know, 20s, early 30s, you know, well, what did they grow up with? If, you, if you're in your 20s or early 30s, you grew up with 90s minivans. You know, there, there wasn't a whole lot of cars that they identified with. So now we're a couple generations out, outside of Mustangs, Challengers, and, you know, the Camaro. But from, from mainstream cool cars and this concept of being able to drive fast and be reckless and a, and a rebel, all that stuff, you know, thank God we're still seeing muscle cars being cool in Hollywood movies um, because that's really the only visual connection a lot of these kids are having because their parents were all brought up on safety and car seats and bicycle helmets and all this stuff and and you know they're not into it so it is really challenging but the fundamental thing that that can change all that is get them a ride so that that's kind of what we're working on now is how do we uh work with people that have cool cars to you know to get them to take them out and safely take them to an autocross track or or into a, a rock crawling event or something, but bring Junior along and get him safely strapped in and, and change his world, you know, or, or Junior being male or female, it doesn't matter. Right. They don't dream to build anything. They dream to buy things. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously bringing kids into this thing is going to be super important because you don't want to see this get lost. Not to sound like a broken record, it is the most American thing that we have. Well, yeah, and, and the fun thing is that it's been said before um, that today's kids have a disconnect because they're far more entertained with electronics or um, we have generations now of parents who have been pounding it into kids' heads that they need to be a manager instead of a, a laborer, you know. And, and uh, we all know that there's there's honor and labor and the sense of satisfaction you get from using your hands to build something. And it could be some artwork like what you guys do or a car or a motorcycle or even fixing your house or whatever. Um, once you try that stuff, uh, especially if, if that experience goes well for you, it just fuels the fire. I think it's a natural thing. I, I don't think it's a, a generation has now been desensitized to creativity. I don't think that at all. I think that if they have the opportunity, um, it'll it'll grow. So we have been discussing um, having some welding schools and some metal shaping schools 
where we're going to get younger people in and safely put helmets and gloves on them and just let them stick metal together, you know. And, and that's another thing that can kind of change your life. If you weld something together and it's, you, you made something and it's real and it's here. You didn't download that. You know, you didn't get it texted to you. This is a physical thing. And, and that's why we're all excited about it, because we had the chance to work on stuff. And without, without stuff to work on, you know, how do you get them wound up about it? So, Right. Um, I was going to make a, a dopey joke when you said, well, kids are just really into electronics. I was thinking if they like fiddling with electronics, give them a Porsche. You know, get a, give them yeah, a right. Citron or yeah. something like that. Give them an MG. Yeah, Jag. Give them a Jag. Lucas, Prince of Darkness. Yeah. We, did it, we did also say uh, Satisfaction. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, okay, so that, that ruins the whole thing. Not, not the uh, Lucas Trail of Tears, you know. <laughs> endless frustration. Can smoke. Yeah, can <laughs> smoke. Can wire smoke. Uh, <laughs> man. So, I don't know. There, there's a big, big mission out there. And, again, I think... It, it, it's natural to want to play with stuff and, and everything else. And, and I, I kind of, I hear these people say, well, here, here's an interesting one for you. So at our shop, we use a lot of 3M products and we have a 3M representative that comes by and brings us the latest abrasives or whatnot. And about two years ago, we purchased a, uh, a sanding machine. It's called, it's made by Festool in Germany, but sold through 3M. And it is a self-contained dustless um, DA sander, basically. So you got your sanding tool, a DA or a long file board or, or whatever kind of sander it is, and it connects to an air source, but it also has a vacuum built in, and there's holes in the sanding disc so that your body filler dust uh, gets sucked away and, and your environment is clean. And primarily, you know, safety of the technician because they're not exposed to it as much. Uh, it's also nicer for the customer when they go through the body shop and, and their car is not just buried and, you know, filler dust and looks like it's neglected. Uh, and then also cleanup time, you know, around the shop is easier. But what the 3M rep told us is that they've been surveying uh, students, high school and college level, about getting into the auto body repair field. And there's a lot of um, animosity about going into those fields because, a lot of the students, they do like electronics. They do like, you know, they want to play with the phone and a laptop and an air-conditioned office and be done with it. But the ones that were, you know, a little bit interested in it were more turned off by the safety aspects than anything else. And I, I think this is kind of new because when we got into this, we were all guilty of painting without masks and, you know, <laughs> doing stuff mm -hmm. outside. Isocyanides be damned. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when I learned the term isocyanate was when I was spraying some primer and my neighbor comes over and he's like, you're going to be dead at age 30, you know. So, but it, it, it was interesting because the, the generations beyond ours are so in tune with environmental safety and, and personal safety that they're willing to get out of that whole industry if it doesn't have methods of keeping them safe. And that's what this, this tool was designed to help um, – you know, provide, hate to use the term, but provide a space, a safe space in the body shop uh, where they could do the work and not be subjected to the bad stuff. So, Very cool. It, that That's just kind of funny. I mean, yeah, think about, you know, any kid that would go into working on cars and think, I've got to be safe. 
Because like you said, I, I remember going to like the ER to have things removed, like, you know, parts of wire brushes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. From your face. Yep. Metal slivers in your eye. Goggles are for sissies. Yeah. yeah. Well, That's... look at all the land. You know, there's there's millions of of epic photographs of our hot rodding forefathers. You know, painting with a cigar hanging out of the mouth, and, <laughs> you know, Gene Winfield with cigarettes, and and these guys that you know one you know a booze bottle in one hand, and a paint gun in the other, and a t-shirt. You know, and it's it's yep. a different world. Or you have like Bill Hines with, you know, he's, he's yeah, yeah. busy ladling lead onto a car with a cigar hanging out of his mouth. <laughs> right. <laughs> I see he yeah, mistook a, a cigarette time. for a paint respirator again. Yeah. yeah. It's a nicotine filter for the paint. Yeah, for... I've got a filter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's crazy and to, to think about it, though, like, it, it just on that subject, though, as far as like pro, you know progression has gone in our industry we've gone from the point where yeah you had paints that would cause you know your hair to fall out uh your you know your teeth to rot um anything like that bad stuff was happening and as it progressed into waterborne paints and things of that nature there was that initial you know kind of pushback from people where they're like oh don't don't change this the EPA everything's horrible but to look now i mean uh, we we had a guy on a few episodes ago, Mick Jenkins, a, a supreme mm. painter in his own right. right, and that's a guy who's got to keep up with modern technology, and you know the EPA and everything else that goes on. But you look at the kind of stuff that they're laying out paint wise, compared to what you had back in the old days, it's night and day. I mean, glass mm -hmm. smooth paint. Yeah, the colors on waterborne are so vivid. Um, and it's it, it's all for the better. I mean, you remember the classic uh, cover of Hot Rod magazine from 1984 with the Camaro and the red circle, the line through it saying, "Can they outlaw hot rodding?" Right. Now, of course, they've recycled that cover in every title yep. they've had many, many times. But today, we've got self-tuning fuel injection that that puts out water out the pipe. I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> you know? right. Yeah. So, That's not very exciting, uh, but it's amazing. Well, but they go fast, you know. You get a, yeah. a an eight hundred horsepower Hellcat. You said this isn't even conceivable, you know, a couple of years ago. So, I'm all for it. And if the if the future is people racing electric cars or fuels we've never heard of or things that don't resemble anything that we're used to, uh, you know, I'm I'm fine with that as long as you can still uh, build stuff and. You know, there, there was an old thing that I read in Cartoons Magazine, you know, back in the early 70s that showed the evolution of man. And, and a guy, a caveman, ca carves a, a, a wheel-looking thing, and his next-door neighbor in the cave next door carves another one, and then they race him. You know, so as long as there's two of anything, <laughs> you're going to have racing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it, and I don't want to get sidetracked too much on the technology thing, but it's so funny where you mentioned, you know, horsepower numbers today. You've got cars, again, 700 horsepower, 840 horsepower. And right. to think these are factory cars, like, I remember, I, I just had a, a little bit of an online chat with a fellow. We're not going to say a disagreement. It was a little chat where we were mentioning goofy cars and he was a big Chevy guy and kept on saying, Oh, well, you know, Shelby got involved with all these goofy, crappy cars, his word, not mine. Mm -hmm. And I had mentioned to him, I said, you got to consider, I said, this guy, a lot of those turbo cars that they were putting together, even back then, yeah, 175 horsepower doesn't sound like a whole lot. But when you consider, you know, you had a, 
a front-wheel drive car with a turbocharged 170 to 175 horsepower engine when the top of the line Camaro for that year was putting out, you know, 225. Yeah, 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 right. If Kevin, you had a muscle car of the week with a 91 ZR1 just on. And, I mean, the ZR1, it was an animal in its day, and it was only 375 horse. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, hey, thanks for watching, by the way. I appreciate that. Of course. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I love muscle car of the week. It's great. <laughs> Me too. I dig that show. I was watching a couple of those today. If anybody Thank hasn't you. seen that on YouTube, go subscribe. It's awesome. Yep. Thank you so much. Um, but you're absolutely right. So cars from the – a, a couple select, you know, few from the 90s, uh, like that ZR1, that eventually went to 405 horsepower before the body style changed, and against a bunch of things that were barely 200. You know, what blows my mind is when you can have young people today who now look back and they say, well, heck, you know, I can go get a an LS-powered baseline Camaro or an LT powered and it's making 450 or 485 and you guys in your, you know, your 69 Camaro that made uh, 300 or 350 or whatever, that thing's junk. And they're fully invested into the power numbers that are being created today. But then the, a lot of these same kids deny the moon landing. And I say, <laughs> <laughs> right? how, how do you believe that this car makes this much power? And you don't believe that, but you fully discredit, the analog technology that, you know, I don't know, whatever. But, well, you can't uh, have a moon landing when the moon is just a, pro, that's a projection on the dome. I mean, come on. If you drive your 175 horsepower turbocharged car fast enough, you're going to run off the edge of the earth. So No, you'll run into you the ice wall. You will. Oh. Just, that's only if you do it at night. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> nice. <laughs> You know, you know, and I might just get hung up on that stuff. But, uh, like, it, it's just funny, though, how a car that was so exotic as, like, the ZR1 Corvette, that was the most exotic thing on the planet at the time. And now you look back on it and you go, if you found any of those parts in a wrecking yard, you'd be kind of like, um, pass. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really amazing. And I think, you know, my buddy uh, Paul is a um, – He's a, he runs a calibration team at International Harvester Trucks, International Navistar. So they, he does over-the-road tractors and all that stuff, semis. And, and his life is developing an engine and a calibration, and then the EPA comes along and just kicks him square in the nuts. And they put this tremendous, you know, unattainable goal for performance and cleanliness and efficiency. And I got to hand it to these guys. They, they get their stuff back together and they, they, they meet the goal somehow. And they complain like crazy because the science doesn't even exist when they start this project. But this is how we have an 800 horsepower car. You can buy at a dealer that is smog legal. You know, yeah. and, you got to hand it to them. They make it happen. And it gets 30 miles to a gallon. Right. It's ridiculous. It's, it's insane. Yeah. But if you look at that from the other side, Effectively, that that's a weird way. It's kind of a sideways way to come into hot rodding. You know, I mean, what's going on there is there, there's a different kind of necessity. Like in the early days, it was just, oh, how fast can I make this for the sake of making it fast? Now it's, well, here, have, have all these regulations and all this bureaucracy. And it takes a whole different kind of brain to wander around that and say, well, if I do this and this, I make them happy, but on the same token, I found a new way to make even more torque off idle. 
Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. a really cool yeah. deal for me. And the yeah. engineering nerd brain in me, it, it, you know, jumps around and gets all happy. Because yeah, that's just you, really cool. And you can road trip it. This is where yeah. it's really cool. You can yeah. actually drive yeah. it somewhere. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of that is it's engineering out of spite, you know, because everybody looks at, at our, our leaders that are writing the laws and knowing that most of those people don't have a clue on how any of this stuff even remotely works. And they, they've been spoiled because they say, well, we issued this performance edict and the, the uh, industry rose to the occasion and, and made it. So let's just raise the bar higher, you know, and then the engineers are like, are you kidding me? Uh, <laughs> so there's a funny, funny story. At one point, the, um, the CEO of, of, my buddy's truck company uh, was analyzing their current design for the cab. And there's a, a classification of visibility. And when you're driving a truck, especially one that's got a, a hood that goes forward, if your, if your truck has, um, if you can see the ground, you know, that's good, obviously. And this particular truck design had kind of a protruding nose and it was, the lowest in-class visibility from the driver's seat. The other truck brands had a swoopier hood, so they had better visibility. Well, they determined, marketing determined, that that visibility rating was very, very powerful in selling trucks, you know, because truck drivers want to be able to see. So they, so the, the CEO comes out one day, and he's looking at this box truck, and he said, we have to figure out a way to shrink the size of the nose of this truck. And engineering says, well, the nose of the truck is dictated by the cooling system to keep this thing going down the road. And he said, well, no, nah, I don't believe that. You know, we, we really got to figure out a way to, because the other, the other guys did it. So, so we can do it too. So it really came down to, uh, um, it demonstrated that, you know, by shrinking the radiator, uh, you lose the capacity of the truck. So they made them go through this exercise of, of, put a smaller radiator in it so we can shrink the size of this thing and I'll bet you it'll do just fine. And they're like, engineering's like, uh, I don't think so, but we'll do it. <laughs> and then, you know, they let this guy get stuck on the side of the road. Uh, and then he's calling up saying, there's something wrong with this truck. I need a technician. It's like, no, you don't need a, a technician. You, you need a clue. You know, you need to understand how science works. So I, I applaud those guys at the automakers and the end and the, the truck companies that can get around this stuff and still give us things that, people like us think it's cool, even in the face of uh, these crazy restrictions that are put on them. And I'm not saying they're crazy because I think the, you know, protecting the environment's bad. I just think these are some serious, you know, milestones to be able to hit. Right. Oh, yeah. It, it, it comes down to that. Again, it's that protection thing. I think it's a whole different world now where everybody's so worried about being, and don't get me wrong, I want people to be protected. You should feel safe. But I just don't want to see a vehicle that looks god awful ugly because you know you had to worry about a pedestrian walking into the front fender. <laughs> yeah, right. That's, that's, that's a whole <laughs> different thing. I. <laughs> but we maybe you know we should be thankful we don't have that going on in the custom car world. I couldn't even imagine that. It's like, oh, you're going to chop the roof on your car. Well, that cuts down your visibility, and you can't have that. Your windshield has yeah. to be. Yeah. You're supposed to have thirty square inches of glass. <laughs> yeah, but there are people that believe that, that, that go to a custom car show. and Why is it so low? You can't drive that thing anywhere. You know? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How do you see out of that thing? Yeah. And, well, and, and this, this, this is a magical segue. So not having to deal with that kind of thing and being able to be creative in our world. Um, 
this this takes me into you know we're protected again by one of the, the great organizations that we have at our disposal which is SEMA mm. and you sir are very actively involved with that organization how uh how did that come about um i've been very 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 fortunate uh, in in a lot of ways so some of it is um is personal relationships um that i've had for quite a while so for example um i'll, I'll tell a funny story but Peter McGillivray is the vice president of SEMA. He's the guy that basically runs the SEMA trade show, the show in, in Vegas in November. And um, 20 years ago, Peter and I worked together back at Peterson Publishing. Um, he was, at that point, um, an editor on Sport Truck Magazine. And it was kind of interesting because my entry to that company was in ad sales, and that, that's a whole other story. Uh, my buddy Paul that I just mentioned before from the truck company, he and I did the 1996 power tour in a complete POS car and drank too much and just ended up kind of crashing the party. But we met a few people who identified that, hey, you might fit in over here. So I ended up getting a job at Peterson Publishing working for Hot Rod and then eventually being able to work on their TV show and do things that I was actually trained for, not like ad sales, how I got hired. <laughs> but uh, uh, Peter, um, it was my first SEMA show, so it was 1997, I guess. And a lot of the um, the SEMA trade show means so many different things to so many different people. Uh, for example, if you're a manufacturer and you're displaying a product, your mission is different from somebody who's selling advertising in magazines because the ad sales guy is just trying to make connections and make ad sales where uh, a manufacturer is trying to get distribution deals and get media coverage. And, yep. and there's 50 million different scenarios that happen at that trade show. Well, in 97, I was living in Southern California working for Peterson and my, my only car at that point was a 1969 Buick Riviera. It was a sandalwood tan with a brown vinyl top and a 430 in it. And I had only been out there for a few months. I grew up in the Chicago area, and I moved out to California in July. So November rolls around, and my boss is telling me, yeah, you're going to go to this SEMA show. And I was very familiar with the show from reading about it in the magazines and stuff, but I'd never never been there. And uh, my boss says, yeah, you have to go and, and sell print ads, and most of the guys are flying out on, uh, on Tuesday and blah, blah, blah. And I said, flying? You know, we're, we're in Southern California. This is Vegas. Uh, that, that's called a road trip. You know, I'm, I'm driving, especially because I, I got my old Buick, and I'm pretty sure I'll make it there and back. And uh, <laughs> so I drive out there and uh, do the whole week. It was the, the 50th anniversary of Hot Rod Magazine, so it was a very exciting uh, time to be at that company and at that show and met a ton of people and just had a great time. Well, because I drove – um, our commitment was finished on Friday. The show ends on Friday. And most of my L.A.-based cohorts all flew back to L.A. Friday night. I decided to stay the night, sleep in on Saturday, and I'm going to take a nice leisurely cruise back across the desert to L.A. on Saturday. Well, as I leave the Vegas Hilton, I look across this parking lot, and I see this red truck, and it's a, a Dodge uh, pickup truck that was the uh, the project vehicle for Sport Truck Magazine. 
and Peter McGillivray is sitting next to it on the ground, like basically holding his head and, and almost crying. And, and I've I, been there. Drive, oh, we've all been there. So I drive over, and there's nobody else around. I said, Peter, what's going on? And he's like, hey, Hosty, what's happening? And I said, I, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready to go back to L.A. What's up? And he said, well, I, I got a flat tire. And I'm thinking, this really isn't that big of a problem. You know, I, you know, put the spare on. I'll help you with that. He said, no, 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 there, there's no spare. And I said, okay, because it was a show truck. And you guys know how SEMA vehicles are. Most of the time, you know, they're not fully thought out, fully equipped vehicles. You know, they're, they're display cars. So, uh, and Peter at that point was not really a, a hands-on truck enthusiast. He was a, a darn good magazine editor and manager of that stuff. But he was a little bit out of his element at this point. So I said, I'll tell you what, get in the car. We drive down the street, get him a couple of cans of Fix-A-Flat couple of bottles of Gatorade and uh, I drive back to the pickup truck and inflate the tires. And, and he's like, Oh, you know, thanks man. I'm, I'm stressing out. I, I'm really happy that you, you know, you're helping out. And I said, sure. And I said, the good thing is now I can, we can drive together back to LA in case my Buick throws a rod or something, you know, you can help me. Nice. Well, well, many years go by and I basically had forgotten about that story. And Peter had moved on and, went to work for SEMA and started doing his thing. And I left uh, Hot Rod. I met my wife. We started our VATV Productions television company, and then that turned into our shop. And, and Peter was kind of following along. And eventually one day said, uh, I saw him at the show, which becomes a, an annual reunion. You guys know you go there every year and see your friends right. in the industry. And he said, yeah, did I ever tell you uh, you saved my life? <laughs> and, I, and I said, Peter, is a can of fix a flat, you know? And he's like, no, man, you were there for me. And, you know, I'll never forget that. Well, as time went by, he kind of watched what we do and, and how our video style is. And, and he recognized something that I didn't even recognize until he and I talked about it. But our little business, okay, so... We're a media company that, that shows how to build cars, which features parts and stuff. We also build the cars ourselves, sell the parts to our customers. We buy the parts from warehouse distributors. We're dealers for parts from direct manufacturers. We, we create uh, promotional video and instructional video for those companies. Uh, so outside of manufacturing, we do just about everything that you can do in this industry, in our own company. And that was pretty powerful when he, he kind of pointed that out. Because you might have a company that makes stuff, but they're not also building cars. And they're not selling direct to the public. Or they're not producing a TV show about it. Or they're not you know, doing some of these other things. So he came to us, uh, came to me last year and said, hey, we've, we've got a couple opportunities um, at the show. And when you're trying to address an audience like the members of a trade organization, you better know what you're talking about. You know, you can't hire somebody to read some lines because you've got guys in the industry that have been in the industry for a thousand years that are legends that know this stuff inside and out. And they're going to know that you don't know what you're talking about. And there's right. no credibility and there's no, <laughs> nobody's going to listen. So the long and short of it is I fooled him well enough to, uh, to be able to be selected to uh, uh, help them 
with a couple of projects. Um, last year it was uh, uh, the Seamus Central stage, which was nice. And which again, was awesome. Well, I appreciate yeah. that. Um, the fun thing there was just because this is what we do. That was my 21st year at that show, and and I happened to know you know the vast majority of the people that they wanted me to interview and they're like okay well you know next up we're going to have uh you know david freiberger and he's a yeah i know dave we used to work together you know and so i tried to make it easier for them and they appreciated that uh i think the most fun i had last year was the monday night sema reveal and that's a little lesser known thing it's going to be a lot bigger this year but typically on on Monday night, the SEMA show is all set up. Everybody's kind of chilling out, getting ready for the thing to open for the public on Monday, on Tuesday. So SEMA would have what they call their uh, exhibitor appreciation dinner, where right out in front of the front doors, they have buffets and the hotel caters in and they have drinks and they play some music and everybody comes out and has a couple of hot wings and they leave. Well, Peter wanted to make that a little bit more of a thank you to the exhibitors because they appreciate how hard it is to, you know, what it costs to get out there and set up these big displays and, and all that. So, so they created this red carpet style event in which, I don't know, about 15 of the, the halo, you know, feature cars that were going to be on display got a chance to drive up a red carpeted ramp. And there was James Otto and his band and they rented me a tuxedo and they said, make this, like a big Hollywood red carpet thing, you know, here's, and, and looking back, it was great because uh, <laughs> Peter's like, okay, there's the, the 15 of the hottest cars going to be here. Here's the band. There's all the exhibitors go. <laughs> so there was no plan. There was no instruction. And uh, I just had this wonderful opportunity. So the first car was Foose, you know, and he came up with a Mustang that he just did. And I said, you know, thank God it's Chip because I know him and it, you know, I, for me, it was a matter of just tell me about the car, man. And, and Chip's great, and he told his story. As you guys know, you've had him on the show. And he and, doesn't uh, tell he's, stories. He's <laughs> quiet. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you know, he carried that whole thing, and uh, after you know five six minutes, we he moves on. His car goes into the show, and then uh, the band plays a few songs, and then we bring somebody else up, and you know, here comes Kyle Tucker from Detroit Speed, and and here comes Ryan Friedlinghouse, and you know, so all these these really big names and uh, they trusted me enough to kind of, you know, host that thing without any instruction. And, and we got halfway through and I didn't get any feedback and I was just getting a little bit nervous. Uh, and I asked Peter, I said, you know, between cars, I said, is this going all right? And he just gives me this giant thumbs up, you know, and I said, all right, well, I'm going to keep going. So uh, that was really, really a lot of fun. And, and I hope I get the opportunity to, uh, to do that one again. Um, because I've heard they want to make that a little bit bigger, a little bit more fun. And it's uh, it's a live thing, and, and I, I love live stuff. I love live radio. I love live presentations. You know, I, I dig the energy. It's just it's a lot of fun. So awesome. I've been very fortunate. Yeah. It's cool. They, I don't think they could get a better guy for it. I uh, Your personality. I really appreciate that. And to me... I, I'm I'm in my head all the time, so I, I kind of know what I'm all about. So and and I know you, Brian, specifically. You are very a very strong critic of your own work, and I think many artists and creative people um, 
kind of struggle with that. You know, they, they do their best, but then 10 minutes later, they think they could have done something better or differently or whatever. Um, and for me, it's like, man, I, I've been in my own head for years. I, I'm not really sure why you guys want me here, but if you like what I do, then great. I appreciate it. You know, so I don't take any of that lightly. It is a tremendous, tremendous honor. Um, and just a couple of weeks ago, they, they called me to co-host the SEMA Hall of Fame inductee banquet with uh, Jesse Combs. Oh, that's and, awesome. And that, it was awesome. Jesse's great. She's the real deal. I'm standing on stage saying, what am I doing up here? I mean, because you've got the fastest woman on four <laughs> wheels, who's also a super badass TIG welder, who's in the process of building a 55 GMC bus that she can tour around. But she's got to put that down in a minute that's because she's going to go be the, the grand marshal of Sturgis, for crying out loud. You know? How cool so, is that? Yeah, totally. And and I was talking with Kelly, and I'm like, I don't really belong here. <laughs> you know? and, oh, yes, and you do. Like, You're selling yourself well, short. I, I don't know. I mean, again, I'm fortunate that apparently I have a few skills that people appreciate, and if they need them, I'll, I'll bring them, you know, and, and, again, make it easy. And I've got experience on all sides of cameras and lighting and sound and stuff. Uh, I think the the most magical part of the Hall of Fame banquet, outside of helping to induct some hot rod legends, uh, Ed Pink in particular was one um, who, you know, I've been looking up to since day one. Uh, but after that event, Kelly and I took a little vacation in Southern Cal and we met up with, uh, with our dear friends, Dave and Louise McClelland. And Dave, Dave and I worked together at Hot Rod TV for a while. I had the, the high honor of, of being the job title was director and producer, but you don't really direct Dave McClellan. Dave McClellan knows <laughs> everything about this stuff. and He's going to do whatever you need and it's going to be kick ass, you know? So he made my job so easy, but really mentored me and taught me so much about how to be an appropriate part of a production, you know, cause it's not about you and it, it's not about causing problems. It's about looking to the vision of, of what this project's supposed to be and, and helping them get it done. And it's the same thing you do as an artist or as a hot rod builder. You know, it's not about your personality. It's about let's have a good experience and make a, a killer product. And we had lunch with, with Dave and his wife, and um, he did the SEMA show for 40 years. He was the MC. You know, he, he's the guy. Wow. In addition to being voice of NHRA and, and, and owning racetracks and owning radio stations. And, I mean, this guy is the guy. Right. And uh, he told me a lot. He said they'd be smart if they worked with you again. And I said, well, I, it, it kind of floored me. And, and he said, look, you're, you're not a pain in the ass. You can deliver the line. You know the stuff. So it's a good match. So I, I'd like to think it is. And in uh, the immortal words of my, my late father that I hear in my head all the time, don't screw this up, stupid, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's always nice to have that vote of confidence from the elders, right? That's it. Yeah. Not real. And I've got to <laughs> say, uh, you know, for as busy as you are and as much as you have going on, you did something that made my whole week at SEMA. Uh, when, and we walked over by you and you, you know, you were there at your SEMA Central area and doing your stuff you you were in the midst of filming and I, we just walked over and said oh, i just want to watch kevin if he gets done i want to say hi and you kind of in the middle of the interview you looked over and you shot me a quick glance that was like hey i i see you're here awesome 
And when you walked over, your handshake and everything like that, you, you man, you are always the warmest, nicest person. And I can't begin to tell you how, how much that means to me every time I see you. It, it's, it's like running into one of your best old friends. And I really appreciate that. Well, listen, I mean, I, I, I appreciate it. I, I think the great thing, and all you guys, you know, some of us don't know each other very well, but we've, we've met many times. And, and what's cool is that this industry has room for those kind of relationships, and it's better because we have those. Um, and I, I've got nothing but respect for people that can do things that I can't. And, and, you know, Brian in particular, your artwork just continues to blow me away. And I've been fortunate enough to have, you know, to be able to hire you. To do, you did a T-shirt for us a few years ago, and, and um, uh, we've talked about some different car design ideas and different things and, and, and a van project. You know? Yeah, we got, we're going to get to uh, the van. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but these are things that I, I can't do. In a million years, I couldn't do what you do, and and there are so many people who, in millions of years, I couldn't do what they do, and so I, I super appreciate that. I come from a family of musicians, and I understand what they go through, and I always, you know, try to help support the arts, whatever I can. Um, but really, with, without those kind of relationships, and you've been a huge cheerleader for us, and just great to work with um, as a professional and what you do that that. That that's a genuine hug, man. I, I Kelly and I really dig what you do and, and value your friendship. So before we're all crying, um, just want to throw that out there. <laughs> well, so, thanks, hug. And and to Kelly as well. She she made my my day. I mean, but you know, I'm not going to get into personal stuff, but there was you know some weird rocky times in my life, and she was great with me. She she gave me a message almost every morning. It was like, hey, you know, it's like buck up, little camper. You know, so I kind of. <laughs> That that would get me going, and seeing her at last year's SEMA show after you know getting through all that junk was just great to you know have her come over you know had a great hug had a talk, and it's it's that kind of stuff though like and it's that's kind of the basis of this whole this podcast that we do. It's never really been about the cars, although yeah, here I'm, I'm trying to work my way back to talking about a van with you, but yeah, it. It's not about the cars. It's really, it is about the people. And as corny as it sounds and call it what you want, the cars are nothing but the vehicle that brings all of this together. Yeah, totally. I, I really think if we were all just Star Wars fans and we were sitting around comparing, well, well, here's my unboxed 1977 Millennium Falcon, it would be the <laughs> same exact thing. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. And, um, we have a saying, you know, old cars make new friends. Um, the cars become kind of the commonality that, that connect people. But once once you get past, hey, you've got a great GTO. Hey, you got a nice Cutlass. But, you know, now, now all of a sudden you're, you're on the same playing field. And I think the other neat thing about SEMA in particular is that the SEMA show, there are so many people who are trying to be successful. They're trying to sell their services, sell their products. Uh, make connections, get their name out there. It is a, it's an environment of enthusiasm and an environment where people are trying to be successful. And the trade organization really is a giant cheerleader for everyone. They want everybody to be successful, you know, and, and of course the byproduct is, well, they will be too, but um, it, it's like Disneyland. It, it's a magical kind of environment, you know, and, and it's really great. And um, I really enjoy it. And again, just, just very honored to be, uh, to be able to, hang out with those guys on a professional level. So when we see you this year, you know, we'll give you a little bit bigger of a hug. 
Oh, I'll give you. I've been working on my uh, my, uh, my upper arm strength, so it's going to be. <laughs> but no, you you hit on a good point too. For and for somebody like me, I love seeing people succeed. I I live for that. It's, it's the happiest thing, and especially being an artist and in that you know art community that we have out there in the world. All of us love to see somebody's stuff get published somewhere or be celebrated somewhere. So for me, that's happy times and. The moment those doors open to the halls at SEMA, it's like there's this weird thing washes over me where you know that everybody who got something on that show floor, that's their first real big step into success for that year. And that, that yeah, is just killer. Right. You can swim through that place, through yeah. that feeling. It's weird. Yeah. It's just crazy enthusiasm, you know, and everybody's excited. And, and I think um, the industry has now timed itself around that event. So that's where the new stuff comes out. That's where the new cars are released. So there's all this, you know, this energy uh, about it. And the other thing that I'm learning more of now that um, I've been able to kind of work with those guys is the SEMA committee members, they're all volunteers. They all are part of individual companies. So they share all that. And it's not like, you know, an organization that you pay a membership dues and, and they don't want anything to do with you. You know, it, it's really your peers in, in all different levels that are trying to help our whole industry get better. So uh, I, I really thank uh, uh, Peter for allowing me to to learn about all this stuff, because the SEMA Central stage for me was a chance to have people tell me their story. Right. So it really wasn't that hard of a gig. Hey, what are you doing? What committee are you in? Tell me about it. And then boom, you know, so I get to learn all this cool stuff and meet cool people. Um, and it, it, it's hard to explain to those who've never been there. And uh, I, I'm really excited because uh, getting back to Mike Clark, our esteemed co-host on VA radio, we're bringing him out to SEMA this year. And, and he's not in the auto industry. He oh, legitimately awesome. works, <laughs> he works for a copier company. He's an Air Force vet. He flew in an AWACS plane in, in, uh, in the 90s. And uh, he's got a GTO that he's working on. He's, he's your regular hobbyist in the garage. And this is going to be his first experience at SEMA. And I swear I wish I could be there the whole, whole time just to uh, to record his face. Because <laughs> <laughs> that is, that's something else. I mean, like if you take someone for the first time to like the Grand National Roadster Show or oh, yeah. like the Pomona Swap Meet, that's kind of a different thing. But SEMA, that's a you watch somebody totally grow into a different animal. There's this first, the first, like I'd say first few hours, they're like a deer caught in the headlights. And then they start to the kind of grasp what's going on. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's so it's great. That should be a rite of passage for everyone. It should be, if you're a car guy and yeah, I know you don't want to bring too many people in that aren't in the industry because then you get the halls just crowded with, you know, lucky news. But um, although I do look forward every year to having my toes run over by whatever the latest tire technology is in scooter design. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's another hot topic right now. Well, Brian always wears his flip-flops to SEMA, so that's a whole other problem. Well, dress appropriately. Well, he, that's, that's my motto. <laughs> when he is wearing the shoes, yeah. <laughs> really, I think the shoes should match the pants. So you can go by the day. <laughs> <laughs> But 
Well, our plan uh, for this year, we were going to get a train of scooters and run the podcast on the, you know, we're going to have a SEMA train and nice. just hook these together and drive our way through and just pick up guests as we went along, drop other guests off. Yeah, right. <laughs> charge a like dollar. A oh, like we should. Oh, hey, if we charge, train. this is going to be great. This would be like the universal tram when you go on the tour. Right. <laughs> yeah, just take people to the wrong place every time. Yeah, exactly. Somebody would be like, we want to go to Hot Rod Alley. We'd be like, oh, sorry, we dropped you back in the Chinese tire bodega. Yep. <laughs> bodega. <laughs> you, know, you know, we could unchain them and we could have figure eight races, and, you know. <laughs> no, this yeah. would go great. <laughs> I just want a nail-ahead powered those. scooter, that's all. Oh, we'll take the governor off. It'll be great. <laughs> That'll be the name of that show, too. Tuesday show, and we remove the governor. Be hello. Oh, shoot, shoot. No, we can't say hello, governor. And I'll have to be gone. Wait, we've got a different thing. Anyway, <laughs> right, right, right. Moving along. Um, yeah. Real quick, you had mentioned earlier the great callback to the Vantheon. Inquiring minds <laughs> need to know. Right, right, right. So the, the fast refresher was that, and on that early episode of V8 Radio, you and I were talking about vans. And I think we were talking about Riddler cars and some of the over-the-top hot rods and customs and, you know, things that are that are just way, way, way out there. And we even developed, joking. we even had a ride concept for this to get you through the convention center. Well, yeah, so the idea was to do a, to do a custom van, and, and the van wasn't just a van. It was, uh, it, it encompassed all different types of classical architecture and design, uh, and <laughs> Greek columns. And, and that's why it became named the Vantheon. And then you had this kind of garden of Eden around the whole thing. If I remember correctly, with, uh, with a ride and waterfalls and olives and, you know, all kinds of stuff. Somebody uh, fanned you with palm leaves. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And togas and yeah. But, uh, where that came from uh, for me is uh, when I was a kid, we had a, a 79 Dodge maxi van and it was a custom, a custom maxi van. So it was, it was root beer Brown as its base coat. And then it had fades and stripes and murals of, uh, of, you know, waterfalls. And of course the, the plush carpeting and captain's chairs and the aircraft lights and, you know, the, the turbine wheels and the fiberglass, <laughs> you know, visor and running boards and scoops and all i mean it was your pinnacle typical late 70s custom van and uh you know like everybody i kind of want that back uh my dad traded it to some guy that only spoke polish who ripped everything out of it to use it as a carpet delivery van uh, damn pollocks uh, which is kind well, of ironic yeah. when you stop to think about it how about that <laughs> so the, the world circle just uh, closed up a little bit. <laughs> So, was that um, Stupski by chance? Uh, hey, yeah, right. hey, the Stupski family are very uh, well known. We're actually renowned in Eastern Europe for our preservation of the custom van <laughs> culture. Right. Which is, you know, th that was the real reason why we all got involved. Um, so, recently, <laughs> I've been kind of halfway pining for another one of those things. Um, and it's one of those things where it's like, man, I would love to have that back. And then about two minutes later, I think, yeah, I don't want to spend two hundred grand to build that van. <laughs> right. And, and where am I going to put it? And my neighbors are going to kill me. And my wife's going to think I'm insane. But it's so cool, you know. But then, ah, uh, you know, whatever. But recently, you know, in the past 
10, 12 years anyway, um, scrap metal has really become a premium for a while, you know, while we were in wartime and, and as the, the economy changed. So I think a lot of those Dodge vans in particular got scrapped. They used to be everywhere. You can't find them anywhere now. They're right? tough. So they are tough. And, and same with the Fords and the Chevys, but you never really see the big Dodge ones. And recently I got this Craigslist alert that said there was an uncut, no-window Dodge Maxi van, 360, rust-free in El Cajon, California, and the guy wanted 300 bucks, and it ran Whoa. and drove. Oh, wow. That's oh, yeah. cheap. Oh, yeah, wow. So I called the guy, and I said, what's, what's the deal with this thing? And he goes, I'll send you a video. And he, it, it's got this, like, Dave's plumbing on the side. It's white, and uh, he's got video of it running and everything. And I said, you know, what's the problem? And he said, well, the license plates have been out, you know, for, like, five years or something. So whoever buys this thing in California is going to spend a lot of money paying back registration. I said, well, <laughs> I don't live in California. <laughs> it's 300 bucks, you know. And I, my wheels start spinning, and, and El Cajon, that's, that's right near uh, where Gear Vendors is. So uh-huh. I look at the map, and, and Rick Johnson, the, the guy at Gear Vendors, a great friend of mine, and I, I was about an, a minute from calling Rick saying, just go buy this thing now, and then I'll catch up with you on it later. And uh, I had a little bit of a heart-to-heart with Kelly, and you know her problem is she's so damn supportive. <laughs> it's it's a great great quality but it really makes you make decisions you know and i think it comes she was just paying me back because there was a time when she wanted to, to have some bear cubs she's like i want a bear and i went okay <laughs> oh so she's doing this out of guilt yeah. a bear bear not a stuffy yeah. bear but a not bear a real one. Yeah, can you can you imagine what it's like in the Osti household? It's like it's just it's just a I, I picture a compound out there where there's like these vans laying out in the yard, bears are tipping them over. <laughs> yeah, it it could it could it pretty easily turn into that if we're not careful. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> Grizzly Adams starring Kevin yeah, Osti. I see a whole that. new TV series in your future. Well, you know it's funny because her family does own a farm that's about. 10 minutes from here and we could we could do all that uh but i digress so i'm trying to think of you know how am i going to let this go and i couldn't i couldn't live with myself to let that thing get away and let it get crushed or something so i quickly took that face or uh, craigslist ad and i posted it in every dodge van group i could find on Facebook. <laughs> and i said somebody please buy this before i do and sure enough, that night, a guy bought it, and he, he took pictures, and he said, hey, thanks, man. I've been looking for one of these. I'm going to build this thing, and this is awesome. And I went, that, that is the happy ending to that story. It's you know, saved. Oh, that's it – I'm just – I love the fact that you found an old van that had the name Dave's Plumbing on the side. How great would that be? Because you could call that van <laughs> Dave's Not Here. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> So the Vantheon, you know, it got a little bit close and then it kind of faded away again, but uh, maybe someday. One day this will happen, and I have already found a supplier for the fiberglass columns for the side of that van, so. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Are you going to put out one of those heart bubble windows inside the column? Oh. Maybe a heart on one side and a diamond on the other. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Now you're talking. See? Uh, See He's got to be a Greek shape of some sort. Oh, let's not go there. (laughs) Now, this is a family show. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Well, maybe the whole is Felix. Rear windows of the van, instead of having horizontal louvers, they've got, you know, like vertical column indentations on them, you know, to, to pay it back. You know? Venetian blinds back there. This is going to be a whole <laughs> European tour. Hairy right. chest with a gold medallion. <laughs> Prosthetic yeah. chest hair. Well, I keep. Yeah, just lots of feta cheese all over. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Uh, oh, I wonder. I don't know if they sell any feta cheese air fresheners. How great would that be? Mm. <laughs> mm. It just smells like feet. You could probably just go to the thrift store and buy old shoes. Well, I think it comes in a goat bladder. Yeah, let's see. I, it was only a matter of time. This is wonderful. Uh-huh. I still, I keep pushing, and uh, the the wonderful girl that I'm seeing will not let me do this. I want to do two sleeves of tattoos. Obviously, one up each arm. That'd be weird if I had more arms. <laughs> but um, I want to do the entire, I want to do a history of van murals. And one arm is going to be fantasy. The other arm is going to be space. And out across my back... <laughs> The two are just going to culminate in this awesome epic battle. <laughs> like on your back, or where? Where do they? Where it's do like they tie in? Wizards yeah, versus the polar back. bears. By the time it hits your back, I, I was oh, thinking well, dragons versus aliens. Well, right. That's I, I how it's going like, to kind of be maybe. on the back, and then across the front, I'm going to do kind of a Star Wars thing because with the nipples, I can do the two moons of Tatooine. <laughs> Well, Luke Skywalker be holding up his uh... yeah, <laughs> holding up his Corvette. Yeah. yeah. Uh, people be like, "Hey, I thought the shifter was bigger in the movie." It's just yeah. <laughs> the camera adds three inches, so he can only hope. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. It's something. I don't know. Fantastic is the word I'd use. Uh, do you do you know Mark Masso over at Cartoons Magazine, the guy that runs that now? I do not. I have. Uh, I have you met you guys got to get all of them. Uh, he he bought the name and the rights and publishes Cartoons Magazine. He actually lives in Canada. And he's uh, he's a really good guy. And uh, so if you illustrated what you just described, it would print and it would be awesome. Oh man! I and I know a guy who can illustrate that. Yeah, thank. Yeah, yeah. We need to meet him. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. Does, does he have any scruples? And that's going to be the first question. He's got some screws loose. <laughs> See, so yeah, if you're listening, the guys think it's a good idea. Um, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll call him. I'll call him tomorrow. <laughs> oh my god. So anyway, trying to bring this somewhere back on track. Oh uh, man! You, without taking you know your whole night, um, you sir, you have a definite Buick thing in your blood. Um, yeah, yeah. Man, I and it's cool to see too because you are unlike the a lot of the Buick people I've run into in the world. You're, you you have a obviously they're all passionate and everything, but you you have some of the coolest stuff too. So it, what was your first ever Buick? Well, and again, I, I firmly believe that that all of our 
you know, most powerful influences come from things that happen as kids, you know. And, and uh, so my dad being the, the police officer, he didn't have, you know, it was a, a, a definite middle class upbringing at, at best. So he didn't have money to go buy new cars. My mom had a car that was probably five years old. And, and my dad, he bought new cars before he got married. And then when he got married in 65, that was his last new car until, you know, probably about 20 years ago. I mean, he, he literally, he sacrificed quite a bit for us. Um, and he had a friend who was on the reserve police unit. But this guy's day job is he had a repair station, a little garage. And he would take in these beaters and, and fix them and flip them. So I was in uh, seventh grade, I think, and my dad came home with a green on green on green 72 Buick Skylark. That's and a lot of green. It was a lot of green, and it was uh, uh, hubcaps, you know, poverty, not poverty caps, but the, the full deluxe hubcap. And the guy at the gas station put station wagon coil springs in the back, so it was jacked up in back. And in fact, my dad called it the sewer sniffer because it you know, looked like it was <laughs> sewer sniffer. <laughs> <laughs> and this thing had a uh, a three fifty four barrel, which was kind of unusual in uh, in a seventy two car, but that's, that's what it had, and a bench seat and everything. And my dad liked to drink beer, and he lived the town I grew up in was a dry town. You had to go. 10 minutes away in Chicago to go to the liquor store. So I, these, these liquor store runs were kind of uh, commonplace, you know. And he would ask me if I wanted to go with him to go for him to go buy cigarettes and beer. And, you know, that was our, our little excursion, you know. And, and one time we take this Buick out. He paid 300 bucks for the car. It was rusted to the roof. You know, it was a mess. But we did burnouts, like, all the way there and all the way home. You know, we just... <laughs> Got in a, in a mode, and every stoplight, you know, that's how, where, where I learned how to do a brake torque. I, I wasn't doing them because I was in seventh grade, but he's over there showing me foot on the gas and the brake and just lighting up the tires and everything. And I thought, this thing is insane, you know? And my first thought was, man, I love these Chevelles because I didn't even know what it was. Uh, <laughs> I remember, uh, you know, seeing an LS6 Chevelle in Hot Rod thinking that that's what my old man came home with. So I get a little closer and I realize it's a Buick and I'm like, what the heck is this? And that's how I learned about the Buick GS and then, of course, the Buick GSX, which uh, became the giant poster on my wall of every single yellow Buick GSX that ever got printed. I had a picture of hanging on the wall. Awesome. And I thought, you know, someday I'm going to have a GSX Buick. And uh, I started to, he and I started to work on that car to kind of do a little restoration on it. And, um, I came home from school in the middle of eighth grade one day, and, you know, when I'm 16, this is going to be mine. And I came home, and I'm like, where's the Buick? Oh, I sold it to that woman on the next block for 200 bucks. Oh, oh man. Oh. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I guess you needed the 200 bucks, and, and I didn't need the car. So that one kind of got away. And uh, but, but that was the beginning of learning about, the differences between a Chevrolet and a Buick and a Pontiac and what these things had to offer. So eventually when I was in college, I bought a Skylark of my own, a 72 and um, I was going to do a GS clone out of it. And I had a, I had a hood and I had a grill and I had the wheels. I had a disc brake set up and in the newspaper shows up 
a guy selling a 70 Riviera. It's red, and he wanted, I don't know, 1200 bucks or something, or $2,400. And I went and looked at this thing, and I thought, oh, this is, this is pretty bad. I got a, here's an engine, here's a Turbo 400 Trans, here's a set of bucket seats, here's uh, you know, a bunch of parts that I can use in my clone Skylark GS car. So uh, bought the, the Riv and ended up really liking it. <laughs> yeah. What's well, not to like about a Riv, right? Well, and this was a little bit different because the 70 Riv, and I'm an enthusiast, and, and I know that they're an ugly car. They, they're, it's a weird year. They put a, like a retro sweep spear on the side, and most of them had a vinyl top and wheel skirts and wire wheels, and it basically looks like a, you know, a leisure suit that you can wear, you can drive. (laughs) It looks like the Electra 225, doesn't it? Well, the Electra had a much crispier style to it, and it was a little more more game. I mean, somebody, I don't know if it was Motor Trend or somebody, they said that if Buick in 1950 was trying to predict the future, this is what they would have come up with. (laughs) (laughs) That's great, though. So it looks like a lug, it looks like a leisure suit, but it drives (laughs) like a couch. (laughs) <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Awesome. But but the one that I found was different because it was I later learned it was a special order color. I have the protective plate. It was flame red, which you couldn't get on the rib normally. It had white interior, buckets, console, power buckets, power windows, tilt wheel, power trunk release, AC, cruise control, under dash, eight track player. It had no vinyl top, so the whole thing was solid red. Wow, that was no a rare one. Out. It had no stupid side spear. It had the short wheel skirts in the back, and it had the road wheel Buick 15-inch chrome rallies. So to me, this is a plus-sized muscle car. You know, it's not Grandpa's, you know, Sanzibelt pants. It's something cool. (laughs) (laughs) Although Project Sanzibelt is a great... (laughs) Floor shine shoes. Yeah, right, totally. White, White belt. (laughs) <laughs> uh, so I drove that thing into the ground because that's what you do when you're that age. And um, I got my job in California, and I couldn't keep it. It was all apart, and I ended up selling it. And uh, and I always wanted that car back, but you'd ne- I never found another one that was equipped as such. Well, a couple of years ago, again, Craigslist jumped up and kind of bit me in the ass. And um, I found a, a Titian red, which is a darker red than the flame red, but a Titian red 70 rib in South Dakota that had no vinyl, short skirts, um, black interior, 24,000 original miles on the car. And I ended up buying it from the original owner. Um, and that's sitting behind me right now in the garage. So I do have that one, which is pretty cool. Cool. That's awesome. Good on you. So a lifelong Buick love affair. That's yeah, so on uh, Muscle Car of the Week in the Brothers Collection is a Saturn Yellow 70 Stage 1 four-speed GSX that uh, they were fortunate. Uh, I was fortunate enough to have them actually let me drive that car, which I've, I've resolved is about as close as I'm ever going to be to owning one is to uh, stand next to somebody else's because uh, one sold last weekend for just over two hundred grand again. So they're, uh, nice. they're something. I don't know. Maybe someday. I hope well, so. Let's yeah. make that happen. So if we start a GoFundMe page. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, Kevin, I mean, do you guys have any Buicks in the shop right now? or? Uh, you know, 
interestingly, right now I don't, but um, there's another really awesome card. And I'm going to invite all you guys to the Muscle Car and Corvette Nationals in Chicago in November. Hell yes. It's, uh, it's a different kind of a show because it's where you go to see the pinnacle pedigreed, fully documented, you know, over-the-top muscle cars. It's not a lot of custom stuff. It's not a lot of, you know, they, they, they have a few modified cars here and there. And I was never really a pure, you know, stock muscle car guy. But when you get access to some of the real deal cars, it kind of changes your, your viewpoint a little bit because you're like, wow, that, that's an L88 Corvette and it's sitting right here. Or, wow, this is one of two Hearst Olds convertibles built in 69, and, and here it is. you know. And I'm a history geek, so I really dig that, that exposure. Mm-hmm. Well, this, this year at, at, at the McCacken Show, it's a horrible acronym, but that's what it's called, the, you know, <laughs> the McCacken Show. Uh, <laughs> Sounds like I'm not Chicago. going there. I mean, I'll go to the show. I'm not going to go, you know, where, never mind. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this year, they're doing an invitational of GSX Buicks. So Ooh. they have 1970, 71, and 72, and they've got at least one of every color. Because in 70, you could get them in Saturn yellow and Apollo white. But in 71 and 2, you could get them in just about every color that Buick made for the A-body uh, with the stripe and the wing and all that stuff. But the centerpiece is going to be a car that was built in 69, and it's the prototype 1970 GSX. And it's got a special three-piece wing on the back that did not make production. It's got a special hood, special chin spoiler. And the interior, it's pearl white, kind of silverish with black stripes. But the interior is a combination of red, orange, black, and white, giant checkers and crazy stuff. And uh, this is the documented prototype, and it lives in Ohio. And it never gets out, but we convinced the owner to, uh, to bring it out for this event. So... It's, I've never seen it in person, but it was on my wall when I was a kid, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to going wow. and checking it out. That is awesome. I'm, so, yeah, guys, get that on the list, and don't let right. Eric write it down, because Eric messed up last year, and we were supposed to go to a show that was also the pinnacle of something. Eric misread it, and uh, we wound up at the Pinochle Nationals, which... Um... <laughs> oh, right. That was yeah. serious, unfortunate. I know, Brian, you were really looking forward to that. Um, yeah, it was okay. We uh, we did okay. We uh, we ate a lot of um, kooken, uh for those of you from the East Coast. <laughs> <laughs> kooken, yeah. <laughs> you are you are only the third person that 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 word kooken comes up, and I've had people go, "You're insane." I'm like, no, 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 no. The, uh, yeah. the kooken was like the good coffee cake. You couldn't touch the kooken if company was coming over. That's right. That's right. In fact, uh, the, my grandmother used to sing me a uh, nursery rhyme in German about uh, baking a kooken. So, <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. I'm not going to sing it, but I, I can hear it. My oh, shucks. <laughs> uh, what, if we all snap or clap, would you? Uh, you could try, but... Uh, <laughs> Because we do need we do need a new uh, theme song for our show, and that would be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, maybe there's a YouTube version I'll share with you if I find it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my I'm just too West Coast. I don't I don't know what the word is. So see, everybody's all laughing, ha ha, and I don't know what it is. Kuchen, so. It's a German. It's like German for like cake. It, it is German so for it's, cake. It's, it is cake. Then okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. C-U-C-H-E-N, or K-U-C-H-E-N is how it's spelled. Yeah, it's, well, it's the only reason not... I know that is because I lived in uh, Massachusetts for a couple of years. So. 
See yeah. the kuchen, and the kuchen always had like that crumb stuff on top of it. It was. Uh, it sounds yeah. really good. It sounds, yeah. Well, if you were allowed to, to eat it, my only memories of kuchen were trying to grab a piece and having my hand swatted away. So I have like a lot of scar tissue on the top <laughs> of my left hand. Right, just like when you're just like when you're at the car show. <laughs> well, nicely that. played. That wasn't kuchen he was grabbing. Uh, hey, 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 hey! I call it the kuchen. Release the kuchen. That's what I say. <laughs> he was going looking for a ride in the kuchen wagon. <laughs> I think that's pie, not kids. Right? <laughs> you know, Jeez. third counties of Ohio. It's the kuchen wagon. <laughs> <laughs> Hollywood knocks. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, this this is what I love about it. It just goes delightfully sideways. So, so around, I'm going to back up for a second because I want to know, you know, if you'd like to share with us, what projects do you have in the V8 Speed and Resto shop right now? All right, yeah, yeah, okay, so. <clears throat> It's an interesting mix, and, and uh, what we find is we'll work on a particular type of car, and then five more similar will show up because we did that one. So we, we tend to always have a supply of first-generation Camaros in the shop, and uh, today we've got a 68 in the shop that was uh, restored somewhere else but had drivability issues, so we just did a Holley Sniper fuel injection system on that and uh, did a brake upgrade and some Global West arms and stuff like that. We have a another 68 in the shop, and Brian, I don't know if you know um, who Tony Rappin is, but Tony was oh, yeah. one of the moderators on ProTouring.com for years, and he's a, a an engineer in Michigan and Detroit. He works for GM, and he uh, his grandfather bought this car new for his grandmother in '67, and it's been in the family forever, and he has been. Again, trying to do a regular guy restoration in his garage as he raises kids and, you know, has his day job. So it's been a 20-some year process. And it's funny because the car has an LS1 back when LS1s were unobtainable. You know, he put this in there in 98, I think, or 99. Oh, no kidding. Um, and, And somebody hand stitched the harness together and there was no aftermarket parts and he's got you know, all this kind of like vintage LS1 stuff, which is a new thing now. And uh, <laughs> it, it, he, he finally got to the point where uh, he just couldn't get it together. So he sent it to us a few months ago, and uh, we got that running yesterday. So that awesome. was neat. It's the first time that car's run since like 92, I think. No um, so we're going to finish a few details, send it home, and he'll be able to drive that. Um, and on the opposite end of the spectrum, we have a 69 Camaro that we just finished, uh, an LT4 supercharged dry sump, you know, uh, you know, late models, ZR1 motor that put down 672 to the wheels. So, oh. Uh, well, you got to start somewhere, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and this guy likes to speed onto, you know, onto the freeway on, down the off ramps is kind of what he does with this car. So he'll get there faster now. <laughs> but it's uh, it's it's all you know Detroit Speed and Forge Line and it reads like a who's who of you know all the great pro touring companies and and stuff that you could do to a '69. Nice. So we have those. Um, I've got two dusters in the shop. I got a '74 yes. 
that we're doing uh, a 74 360 car. It's blue that we uh, have been just doing some repairs on. And then we're doing a full rotisserie, slightly modified restoration on a 73 Duster 340. Awesome. And, and that's cool. Um, then I've got uh, a 51 Chevy pickup truck that was our customer's grandfather's. He was this the one with the dump bed? Yes, it's got a dump bed on really it. Really cool. And, cool. and uh, that his grandfather built the dump bed, and um, he brought that to us in uh, on three separate trailers, and we did all the metal work and put all that thing back together, and it's got a, a V8 conversion on it, and, you know, it, it's cool. And it, it's going back to the farm, but it'll be not used quite as heavily. Uh, we've also got uh, a bunch of fat-fendered cars. I've got a 38 Chevy that, um, again, was our customer's dad's. And uh, unfortunately, he's no longer with us, but the family has the means to, to create his vision. So kind of a slightly modern street rod version of a 38 with a, a you know, like a TCI style front end and a, a crate small block, just kind of basic. Uh, we're doing metal paint suspension, you know, basically the whole car. We've got a 46 Ford two-door uh, small block Chevy TCI, kind of similar to a 38, but that's a a repaint car uh, and metalwork fix. We had to make a whole bunch of stuff. Our, our uh, metal shop did a tremendous job of making fenders for that thing on the English wheel because you can't get them. And, oh, wow. And wow. It, yeah, it's cool. And it, it's it's a full-on custom piece that kind of looks stock, you know, so nobody's really going to know, but we've, you know, it, it, it was a great exercise. And then we've got a, a 39 LaSalle combination purse ambulance that we're doing a repaint on and this thing is crazy because it's got its original flathead it's a coach built vehicle and it was originally commissioned in the little town of redbud illinois where our shop is so it's come home to be redone and this one has wood frame doors and you know lots of wood in the floor and everything and then the the sheet metal was all skinned over it and it's funny because it had trim on the doors. You take the trim off, and there's tacks in the door, you know, actually hammered in little nails that attach the skin to the wood, and they hit it underneath the trim and a lot of lead. And Yeah, so we, we stripped that whole thing, and it's getting a color change and, and getting uh, some mechanical fixes. So that's kind of the, the pile of fat thundered cars. Then I've got... Uh, Two sixty-seven Mustangs, a convertible, and a fastback that are both getting all kinds of metal work and complete restorations. And I've got a seventy Mach One four twenty-eight Cobra jet car oh, that's wow. getting. Uh, yes. We we basically that one rusted from the roof down. It was a weird deal, so we did a, a lot of sheet metal replacement. But it's getting an aluminum four twenty-seven FE motor, fuel oh. injection, and overdrive. Um, so it'll it'll be a cool one. Uh, and then I've got a sixty-seven GTO. I got a 68 GTO. We've got a 67 Galaxy 500 XL convertible that we're working on. Uh, we got a 79 Trans Am that we just did an LS3 swap. Uh, I got a 65 Impala. Uh, we got a lot of stuff. So I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of oh, a 69 Chevelle SS uh, 396 that was last driven in '84, I think, and it's on it's on the old Rocket Racing chrome wheels. And the tires stick out of the fenders, and it's got ladder <laughs> bars. And it yes. is a street street machine, man. I mean, stickers in the quarter windows. It is just super cool. 
and uh, we're just getting it running again, and our customer is going to use it in his kid's wedding uh, coming up cool. in, uh, in the fall, as it was. So it was in his wedding, you know, when that was current, and now his kid's wedding retro, you know. So. Oh, that's pretty cool. Sweet. That is outstanding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So but a lot of cool like stuff. You guys don't have a Copo Kuchen wagon, do you? <laughs> Not yet. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the icing on the cake. Oh, Anyone? Wow. Uh, yeah, it's right there. If they write yes. themselves, kids. You can. Yeah, that one could have stayed in the can. Uh, hey. I'm going to say the, the bunt pan, actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we can even take that. Let, let's go. What the hell? Swing and a miss. Um, anyway, the whole <laughs> what do you got? You got to throw them all out. Some of them stick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a lot of. Uh, um, you know, the shops in different departments and, and the metal shop and the body shop and the mechanic shop, they all kind of work at their, their own speed. But uh, it's a tremendously talented group of guys and gals. We have uh, Kelly is not our only female. We've got a, a fabricator who's a younger gal who's been really doing some good work on this uh, 67 Mustang. And, and um, you know, it's people that, that care and, and that bring it. And that's the biggest thing, you know. They like doing this stuff. They like seeing the customer get excited when you show them progress, and, and it, it really matters. Outstanding, and that's I, I got to give you credit again because you guys have so many irons in the fire, and I don't know how you manage to to balance all that. I, th there's days when I wake up and I'm like, okay, I've got to feed a kid and dogs, and <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I'm thinking, wow, that that really made me beat and then i just look over what you're doing and i'm like oh yeah that's i don't do anything so man um what is uh so what's what's on the horizon for you guys any big plans coming up i mean yeah um and it's interesting because we've been able to do a little bit of anything that we kind of wanted to you know um in many ways we've been lucky we just recently, last year, we actually bought the building where our shop is, and we've been doing some upgrades on that. Kelly's been spearheading some construction projects. Congratulations. Uh, been, oh, yeah, yeah. She's been doing just awesome work on that. So that was a huge improvement. The city responded locally by saying how much they liked the building. Apparently, it looked like a complete hole before, but they never told us that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we've been kind of focusing on that. Try to put key people in the in the right spots, um, you know. But there's there's a little bit of an interesting dynamic that occurred, where our crew, you know, of course they want to build Riddler cars. They they want to they want to push the envelope on everything they can and and really just go hog wild on everything. And the reality is that you know not every customer can handle that. So we do get a fair amount of cars that don't need the world. They might get that fuel injection upgrade or they might get drivability enhancements um and those those tend to breed more of themselves so right. then you get like you get like every old car tune up you know in a 50 mile radius which is great it's nice business but i'm trying to continuously challenge the crew and help these guys grow and evolve and become better at what they do and more gratified with what they do so uh, I've been sitting on a few ideas of projects that, um, you know, we, we've never really shopped a car 
to us and they say, what about doing this? And we go, yeah, let's figure out how to make it happen. You know, we'll call a guy like Brian to, to sketch it out or whatever. Um, but there's, there's some things that I think it's time that we really try to pursue getting done because these are, these are some car ideas that I, we all would really like to see. And uh, so now we're just trying to connect with the right person that, that also wants that. Um, because any challenge we've ever given this team, they've, they've always delivered. We've never had them not be able to do something. So uh, we, we want to push that a little bit. And within reason, you know, not, not just punch something full of dimple die holes just to say you did it. You know, it's, it's got to mm-hmm. be, it's got to have meaning. And uh, Well, not so to that, plant a seed, uh, you know, a little particular blue Eldorado would be kind of cool. That would be awesome. <laughs> And I talked to a guy that was ready to do that car, and uh, and then he got bored and changed his mind. And uh, we, we can say who that is off the air here. But uh, right. so I don't know if I even told you in the past, and, and you guys obviously probably know the car he's talking about. That the rendering that he did it was a horizontal shot of a '67, right? Yep. Aldo. Yeah, well, '67 Aldo. And uh, it was a rear drive conversion. And, and me being into these old Rivieras, I know that the platform between the Toro, the Eldo, and the Riv is similar from the floor up. But the floor down, the Riv is rear-wheel drive. So I always thought it'd be cool to take one of those front-drive Eldorados, rip it off its floor, and get a floor out of a Riviera, and you're halfway home. Just take the chassis and cool. the floor, and now you can do a rear-drive car. The transmission tunnel's done. You know, all the clearance for exhaust and all that stuff's done. And next thing you know, you know, you can do a modern drive line and, and, and be, have something that nobody else has uh, that they'd all be scratching their head. So, Exactly. Would, That's cool. I would dig that. I would dig that, too. be a fun yeah. car. Yeah, and there's some oddball stuff. I, Brian and I talked before about kind of cross-pollinating certain design elements of few things that, you know, maybe the factory would have made or could have made or most people wouldn't get. Um, so there, there's a few things up the sleeve that way. Uh, I'll go ahead and let the one out because nobody's going to do it. But, Brian, you and I talked about doing a 68 Oldsmobile F-body. You know, yes. Know ever did a, a, an F-car? I still want to do this like? car. Yeah, totally. Me too. God, that'd be so cool. And that just opens the door then too to do a Buick. You know, not not to tug at your heartstrings, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, you could. <laughs> you could. And, and uh, well, you know, in my own camp a million years ago, I had a, a vision for if I was going to do a Riv, you know, in a custom style, what would I do? Uh, which is different. Rivieras get picked on by the... You know, the, the lowrider crowd, they get picked on by the custom crowd, and, and none of them really enhance the car, but there's a way, I think, to do one of those to where it'd be a, what it's supposed to be, a personal luxury coupe, lots of power, lots of comfort, you know, and something enjoyable and cool and clean. Nice. So, exactly. you know, there's that. I think, I think your tandem front axle idea on that is really going to... Wake some people up. <laughs> well, yeah, and the articulating section in the middle where it would go around turns. <laughs> it's going to be the dancing deck lid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's going to be great. If, if we can get the Hanna-Barbera people on board for this one, it's it's going to be a winner. <laughs> right, right. Well, and, and, you know, my list is about 100 deep now of these ideas, and it sucks because 
nobody, if you don't, sh- you don't want to share them and be like, oh, you know, I gave away the greatest idea in the world, but then nobody ever hears about it and doesn't get built. And even if I'm not the guy that builds it, some of these cars just kind of, I think would be cool if they happened. Um, but you know how it is. If you are the one who actually came up with the creativity on it, yeah, maybe you want to be recognized for that because you thought a little bit differently, even though somebody might steal it and, and do their own thing. But a question I put to you is, you know, have you ever seen a 70 Monte Carlo done with a Chevelle front end? And to me, that's a natural. Here, here's the hmm. here's the great part. Um, I'll have to send it to you. <laughs> yeah, well, I know you've done Monte renderings, but I, I, I didn't necessarily know that I saw the front. Yeah, I, I didn't do the full Chevelle front. I stuck the uh, the Chevelle like the um, the headlamp trim and the grill out of a uh, a seventy two into a seventy two. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Well, I, I'm envisioning a black oh. a black seventy with the quad headlights, the Chevelle grill, the whole cowl induction hood. Just do the whole Chevelle SS nose done properly on a Monte Carlo, and then tighten up the taillights just a bit. Do the car in black. Keep all the stock interior, but wrap it with a French stitch suede. Do a more supportive seat, but still look like what it's supposed to be. Open the hood. It's an LSA. It's got the red engine cover. It's got red calipers through a big forge line. And now you've got a car that's going to stop everybody dead in their tracks, and it didn't take much to do, you know? That's cool. Yes, so Monte Chevello. Would you be keeping the the character Chevello. line on the, the fenders and the quarter panels from the Monte? Uh, I'd leave that up to you to figure out. I'm not that smart. And a <laughs> small wheel opener in the back. It, there's details that need to be ironed out because, yeah, they got that slab-sided character line thing um, that the Chevelle does not have. Um, either you put the subtle flares that the Chevelle has and take that big thing out. I don't know. Uh, oh, I think I have this figured out in my head. Yeah, there you go. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll whip up a little sketch for you and see what you think. Um, yeah, I was I was calling it the mon- the money Carlo. Hell yes, <laughs> nice. This is so much better than my idea for the dual cow Monty, which I was going to call the Munster Carlo. Ah. But <laughs> the well, you know, driven by Yvonne de Carlo. <laughs> <laughs> or we could take this back to the whole cheese reference from before and have literally the Munster Carlo. This is awesome. Oh yeah. <laughs> Be white on the inside and orange on the out. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> it orange line tires. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, and it would have uh, string cheese cobwebs, you know, to the floor. Nice. Ooh. Or El Camino front end on our, our El Camino rear on a Monte Carlo front clip, and the El Carlo. Yeah. <laughs> my my dad had a buddy who took and put a the front clip. Ma- Montemino. Ooh, Montem- Ooh. Montemino. Oh. <laughs> My dad had a buddy back in the day who took a uh, a Pontiac, the um, not not the Grand Prix, was it the Grand Am, which was the sportier version, and yeah. stuck that front clip, the doors, and the dashboard and the seats out of the uh, the Grand Am onto the Camino and called it the Grand Camino. Nice. <laughs> that was such a cool little car, man. It's the I, uh, Grand Camino. I like the name, man. It was a cool car. It's an awesome name. God, Doug yeah, had all yeah. these cool Cam- Caminos. But uh, yeah, anyway, so I dig it. No, yeah, you know what we'll do? We will get together at some point and record another show where all it is, it, it just mash up cars. 
Yeah. Oh, well, and, you know, in addition to the super over the top, you know, full custom, you know, whatever, but, uh, there's some, there's some trucks in there and, and I always thought it'd be fun to do a, uh, to do a mid-year Corvette, uh, but an XLR Cadillac version of it. Ooh. Oh, oh, heck yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any any of them, really. You could do a 69, you know, it wouldn't matter. But if it was done like an XLR, you know, just crisp it up a little bit, change the power plant to a Cadillac of some sort and, and luxury and wheels and stance and make it a little Batmobile, it'd be uh, it'd pretty cool. On the opposite side, why not just do like a mashup, like a low level, like a 300 Chevelle and a uh, a Cadillac and do like an early version Cimarron. yikes you can hear the stomachs churning it's gotta be a four door right four door fastback even better pillow seats of course the Cimarron would have to be cinnamon colored of course right yes shimmer it'd be the shimmer shimmer on (laughs) (laughs) leave one leave one rear tire out of balance on purpose yeah it'd be outstanding so, man, I I cannot thank you enough for your time tonight. Oh, no, me neither, man. I appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for being with us. And what I want to do, if possible, I want to, I'd like to check in with you, hopefully just before the SEMA show, and, and again, there at, I don't know if that's really, is that even a word for all of you grammar people out there? It works. There at. No, Brian, it's not there at. <laughs> you need an Oxford comma in there. There at umlaut. Ooh, umlauts, yes, uh, over the keys, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I would love to, and um, I, I tell you, are you, you're going to be doing, are you going to be doing the same, the similar thing on Monday evening again with the whole kind of the grand premiere at SEMA? Um, I, I hope so. I We haven't spoken officially about it. Um, we've spoken unofficially, but that has not been a, uh, a concrete deal yet. So um, I certainly hope so. If we do, uh, and anybody's there, I recommend going to that. It's not. It's pre-show, you know, so it's it's kind of special access to exhibitors, I guess. But if there's any way, I think it'd be fun. Well, let's uh, we'll make s'mores. Uh, Alex is Alex is going to bring his Easy Bake oven, which he's modified with a black light, so it's kind of uh, Easy yeah, Bake yeah. microwave. It's, yeah, it's got a floodlight in it, a four four hundred watt floodlight. In it. <laughs> Where are we talking about doing a Blazing Saddles campfire thing? <laughs> yes, that ever happened yeah, to that idea? To walk in the next morning and go, what is that burning smell I smell in here? That is fantastic. How great would that be? The round slumber six. party. Bushes, beans, campfire cookout. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, that'd be another element of the whole Pantheon experience, I think. The ideal. <laughs> so, well, hey, we, we have taken far too much here, and I'd like you to get some time to, to, to spend with your lovely wife where you don't have to be running a shop and a TV <laughs> show and a YouTube empire and uh, obviously well, an underground kookin' supply. Chain. Right, right. Kookin' king of Illinois. Like, I do want to kind of throw out because you, you guys alluded to it a little bit. Uh, this year, the that Muscle Car and Corvette National Show in Chicago, in Rosemont, actually, um, one of the neatest things about that is the show is set up on Friday, 
and then Saturday it's open to the public, and Sunday it's open to the public. But between Saturday night and Sunday night, uh, that overnight anyway, <clears throat> it's open to the media. So that's where a lot of these guys take their magazine photos and web photos Ooh. after the crowd goes home. But they leave all the lights on and all the cars are uncovered for photographs. And uh, Bob Ashton is the managing partner who runs the show. And he and I had a conversation this past week. And right now we are putting together an exclusive live event called uh, Muscle Car and Cor Corvette Nationals After Hours Live. So Ooh, nice. um, I I'm going to be uh, hosting a live streamed After Hours show in this giant room of 500 super killer muscle cars that's not open to the public at that point. Oh, and we'll be gosh. interviewing people and looking at cars and scheduling guests and, and doing, you know, basically, uh, you know, a little bit more of a Conan or Johnny Carson kind of show. You know, I just need the band. <laughs> uh, and that'll be streamed live all around the world that night. So that's some, that's going to be super fun that uh, uh, we look forward to doing. So I invite you to check that out too. Gentlemen, that's that, that is our call to reassemble the round six jug band. Yes. <laughs> the kazoo band. <laughs> oh, I'll bring a tambourine. We do an incredible, incredible uh, kazoo and yeah. air guitar tribute to uh, the careers of Barry Manilow and Barry White. <laughs> we we do a great in Inagata Devita full version with triangles, electric you know, triangles, no less. We're good triangles. at that. Those two guys' last names were swapped at birth, I think, because uh, it doesn't get any whiter than Barry Manilow. <laughs> oh, wow! And, they, and we're going to stick with the original title of this one. This is going to be called "I Hate." <laughs> Kentucky Nazis. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, guys, again, I, I super appreciate yep. the time. It's, it's a lot of fun. And uh, I I listen to the show. I'm, I'm honored to be uh, a guest. And uh, we'll continue to listen and share it everywhere I can. So thank you, guys. This was great. Thank you. Thank you. Was ours. Thank you very much, sir. Oh, thanks. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, Absolutely. And all we can ask of you is that when you finally build the V8 tower, you know, <laughs> when you guys are done with that, if you will just loop our podcast continuously in the elevators. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can already do that. <laughs> in the bathrooms. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's how he keeps his crew working all the time. They're like, oh, crap, I got to go in there. I'll make uh. it quick. So, but thank you again, sir. L looking forward to, to catching up with you again soon. And, um, Man, thank you, and and please, by all means, th thank your lovely wife Kelly for loaning you to us for a couple hours. <laughs> I I sure will. It was her pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> you guys deal with them. Yeah, I've heard the stories. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, sir. You got it, man. Thank you, guys. Have a great night. All right. That was uh, an unbelievable episode, guys. Um, I, uh, I'm kind of lost for words as I usually am after <laughs> listening to Kevin and we've got to make plans for the, uh, the show in Chicago. Yeah. I've been yeah, reading dude. about that one for the last couple of years and, uh, the event coverage that I've seen is phenomenal. And after him saying even more about it, yeah, that would be a good one to go to. Right. 
So I think I think that may be the uh, the next big event following the SEMA show for the round six guys. Well, let's That'd make awesome. that happen, and uh, we won't we won't make all those plans on the air. Although we could do that right now. So Eric, start looking for flights uh, <laughs> while we've got everyone here. I know okay. the Obamas. We could stay at their place. <laughs> Uh, bring your bulletproof vests. Uh, so, if you're in Chicago, though, thanks a lot, beautiful city. Thanks for being part of our show. Uh, moving right along, <laughs> um, let's uh, let, let's let's wrap this one up. Um, again, I can't say thanks enough to to Kevin Oste for taking time out of his obviously very busy schedule to uh, right. to be with us. And I, I'm sorry it, it it took us this many episodes to have him on. But it's something that great, well worth the wait. Um, you guys, I, I, we got a lot to talk about and digest after this one. But uh, hell, for now, uh, yeah, it, I, I would normally go with I remain Brian, but I think I am a better Brian after this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't even know how to top that, but uh, yes, I'm, I'm still Brad. And I'm still Alex. And I'm still Eric. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. Orthodox porn. Then we figured, well, what about Orthodox Jewish porn? You could, oh, like, yeah. you, know, yeah. you could go to like GoldmanShowers.com. Oh, <laughs> you wear the hat. <laughs> <laughs> Goldman <laughs> Showers. <laughs>